Kaylin Agnew and Lana Morsoli, co-founded Makers, a co-working space in downtown Seattle. Tonight, we're going to hear about their recent expansion, design, inspiration, and general advice for other young female entrepreneurs. So go ahead and stay tuned for the next 30 minutes. Use the hashtag YFEChat, and be sure to introduce yourself in the chat. show that happens every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern here on YFELive.com. I'm your host, Jennifer Dono. Again, use the hashtag YFEChat and make sure that you check in on the chat here on YFELive.com and introduce yourself. It's a great opportunity for networking. Tonight's episode is episode 116 and it's brought to you by MailChimp. MailChimp is the best way to design, send, and share email newsletters. You can get started today for free at MailChimp.com. And of course, don't forget to sign up for our YFE mailing list at yfe.me forward slash mailed it because that is really the best way to stay in touch with everything happening at Young Female Entrepreneurs. And there's going to be some really fun things happening this summer. So it's it's important that you guys sign up again. It's yfe.me forward slash mailed it. So uh, tonight's guest, just to give you some background and why I'm super excited to have them on, they're, like I said, the co-founders of Makers. It's a, a co-working space in Seattle that really is it's absolutely beautiful. It's not like any other co-working space I've ever been to. It's something that I, um, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to find out more about how they got started and why they did and all that fun stuff in between. So anyway, let's go ahead and bring them on. Caitlin and Lana, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Hi, Hi, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so now I know a little bit about your story because like I said, I've I've admired what you've been doing over there for some time and you've been getting a considerable amount of press uh, recently. Uh, but you started Makers really to solve a problem. I mean, that's something that all of us entrepreneurs really do. What exactly was that problem and, and uh, how is it that Makers is, is, is fixing that for you? Um. We just start. I'll yeah. start this one. Um, so Lana and I both, a couple years ago, we were working from home. We had lost our jobs with everything in the economy going on in 2009. And so we found ourselves working in a totally different environment, which was at home. And um, Lana and I were each other's only co-workers, I guess you'd say. We'd meet at Star- Starbucks or coffee shops just to just to get out of the house and feel like you can get ready for something and um, have a place to be and go. And out of that is kind of what like helped us discover that that's just probably not the way that most people want to do work. You know, you want to feel a little bit more, um, well, one, you want to feel a little bit more validated with your business and um, feel professional, but also you miss just having coworkers and the social aspect of just going to work every day and getting ready and and making friends and talking about your weekend just the little simple things that you don't realize you don't get when you're a freelancer when you're working from home so we both just had that need and and just started talking and yeah well and you know it's funny because 
it seems so simple now. You guys were you were freelancers and you're in these coffee shops and you're like, why don't we just start a co-working space? But like I said before the show, Makers is a beautiful space and it's a space that is in the most amazing location. It's in downtown Seattle that's crazy access. And there's a there's literally a parking garage right across the street from it. I mean, it's location jackpot. So it's one thing for a young female entrepreneur to say, I have I know there's this problem. I I know this is how we're going to solve it, but it's another thing to actually go ahead and do it, especially when it's a construction project like what you've underwent for makers. And it's also something that's very capital intensive and it's something that you didn't both necessarily do. I mean, what were you doing before this? Um, Well, so Caitlin was working in merchandising down in Southern California, and then I was uh, working in interior design down in Southern California. So um. So on the like construction and design side, like um, definitely like there we had experience in that area, especially like my father is a contractor, and so I've always grown up on construction sites. So even though professionally I wasn't doing that, um, it wasn't exactly as intimidating as I think it would be um, for someone else in a different profession. So what actually then, what was the impetus of how you went from the idea stage to actually going forward? Because a lot of us, when we have an idea, it's a service-based, so we're, we're going into design or we're going into accounting and we just throw up a website essentially. I, I say just, I still think it's a huge <laughs> ordeal to actually go forward and put your, your hang your sign on the door. But uh, how did you go from saying, okay, I have this idea into actually putting it into motion? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, one step at a time. Yeah, one step at a time that we get asked that question a lot. And I mean, it's a good question because it is a leap. Like you get to a point where you you need to raise money and it's commitment and you have to believe in your idea. So it's all of these things. And it's kind of just, yeah, it's one step at a time. And we are both at a place where we're like, we think we can do this. So <laughs> I think too, we both wanted a change. And yeah. so even though we loved what we were doing and I mean, I still love design and I still will do design occasionally, but, um, I think we were looking for the next step in life and this sort of provided everything that we wanted out of what we saw our future being. And so that was, I think more of the driving force behind it than, um, we were like, we'd rather invest in this than invest in what we're doing right now. So, um, yeah. So, I, oh, one thing to add to that too is just, I can't remember the quote. It's like one of those cliche entrepreneur quotes that you see going around, which cliche meaning like it's true, but it's just, you see it everywhere. But it's something like, if like you have to be willing to fail. The, the possibility of failure should be, I mean like you're, you're just trying to override the, the fact that you could fail like you kind of have to get over the fact that like things are good sometimes they're bad sometimes they're hard they're easy but the fact that you actually did it has to override you know the bad times I guess 
You have to take failure as part of life and just move forward (laughs) and recognize it as such. That makes total sense. Now, as far as, I mean, last last week we talked to a cloth diaper service where she had to, her husband actually put his life savings into this business and they went forward and bought uh, these big commercial uh, washers and dryers and they have a warehouse and a retail space. And she was saying that leading up to it, she literally had no experience in any of this, but somebody reached out to her and she was able to learn a little bit about the business before actually opening up. I mean, she had already done a business plan and everything like that, but really figuring out the day-to-day operations of it. Did you ever have a period like that where someone reached out to you and said, here, come look at how co-working actually works, how you can make a business model out of it? Yeah, so I think it goes back to that one step at a time. We were always like, we have this idea and let's just research it and see what that what that's all about. So i.e., you know, real estate and financing and whatnot. But we visited the co-working spaces here in Seattle and um, office nomads up in Capitol Hill. Jacob and Susan there were great and they really just um, shared with us their wins and struggles and why they love co-working and co-working in itself is a very different industry and in the sense that we're all about collaborative use and um, really the fact of like if a lot of people band together like what great ideas can come from that so they really took that to heart and really um, encouraged us to open up our space and just also the theory that um, you know that we'll all float to the top if we all get better and the more people know about co-working the better all of our businesses will be but we're also part of now that we've already started, um, another sort of association, but it sounds so formal for co-working because, I mean, we're not that formal, but it's a bunch of co-working space owners all across the country, and we get together twice a year, and we talk co-working. We share all of our best practices, what software we're using, and just really um, try to make all of our spaces better. So um, it really has helped us, and it has made us always feel really good about the industry and that that's something that we want to support and be part of. And right now we're actually sort of chatting with some guys that are opening a co-working space in Tacoma. And so we just met with them yesterday and shared all of our struggles and really just encouraged them that they should do it because I mean, Tacoma would flourish with a co-working space there. So um, it really, I mean, it's been great that everyone shares information. Well, I think that's interesting. I mean, it's just a great reminder not to be afraid to actually go forward and ask, even if it is considered a competitor. Because like you said, the, the the better that all of you do, the more uh, recognition that co-working actually gets. Uh, so in that sense, uh, well, actually getting it off a bit, uh, your name, Makers, which I think is just so appropriate for everything, especially when you go and visit the space. It's it's definitely for creatives, and you've done a fantastic job from the branding into the aesthetics and the actual space of really making sure that that goes through. How did you decide on, on that name, and was there anything that worried you as far as trademarking goes or grabbing a specific domain name? Because, I mean, Makers, there's Makers Mark, there's Makers Studio. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot, lot that went into it. Um, anytime you're choosing a name for a business, you have to really do your research because a lot of names have already been thought of before. You, you wouldn't even realize. You think you have this original idea, and somebody already has it. But um, as far as makers goes, we we made sure that nobody else in our industry had the name, which is why um, at the time it was, it was. Um, 
It actually it wasn't, wasn't a common even a thing. It wasn't a thing. Yeah, yeah, the makers movement has really, I don't know if you've heard of other maker spaces or you see makers everywhere now and it's really taken off in the last few years. But at the time, it just, we, we got it before it was that. Even though there are makers marks and other things that use makers, they're in other industries, so it doesn't compete necessarily with what we're doing. Um, but yeah, we, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out our name and ultimately it was kind of a throwback to um, you know people doing their doing a craft doing something they love um, really you know freelancers are ultimately doing this like they have a skill that they're really good at and so it was kind of just a, a nod to um, everybody is a maker in their own way it doesn't necessarily have to be with physical tools it can be you know you you are a designer you're you do um, IT, you know, even that is a, is a skill. So, I don't know. Yeah, we really feel like, um, for us, the name makers really encompass the fact that all these people are sort of on the forefront of their industry and they're really trying to push the boundaries. And um, so that, and it really, like we, like Caitlin said, it's, it's the past too. And how do we honor all these people that came before us and like made great things and we're just sort of building upon that. So... Well, let's talk about that a little bit because, I mean, you're saying that you created the name to attract a certain kind of person, really. And one of the things that is is really beautiful about makers is when you share anything on social media, I'm always impressed by the quality of people that are in your photos, (laughs) whether it's at a party or at, um, you guys have like work happy hours, you're always cooking up something in the kitchen. So how do you, because a co-working space really is essentially a community, right? It's people working together and building ideas on top of ideas, all that fun stuff. So how do you ensure that the right kind of person that becomes part of your community? I mean, this is this is true for anyone that's interested in joining a co-working space or starting a community themselves. Um, we always went to the fact of like, where do we wanna be and where do we wanna hang out? And um, that really has been always the driver behind like, the decisions that we've been making for makers and the aesthetics, how it's laid out and how we even operate our business. But, um, I would say in like the way of like attracting it is like, we're authentic. Like this is who we are. We're not trying to be a 50 something that like, you know, has an industrial space and like, it's not, you go to their house and it's all traditional. Like this is who we are. And I think that comes across and, I love to cook and entertain, so I'm in the kitchen cooking and entertaining, but I think um, we always said, like, that's how we're going to start it, but now that we have all these great people in here, they've really taken it on to their own, and really, the community changes a lot um, just based upon who who's um, a maker at the time, if we have a big team in or if we have a bunch of small teams, but... Um, I think that there's a lot of self-selecting when it comes to co-working spaces. People tour them all. It's like looking for a condo or apartment. Um, you pay, pick it based upon location, what the aesthetic is, like what the feeling you get when you go in. And we're not right for everyone, and but we're right for the people that are attracted to when they come in the door and see the space, meet the people here. And, yeah, yeah, just to add to that too, like even just to go off a comment you said earlier about how you just think our space is really beautiful. Thank you for saying <laughs> that. But um, we think so too. And I'll, I mean, we, we did that because 
we actually were looking for a space to work in ourselves before we even knew we were going to create the space. Um, so we didn't find anything that was our was our look or our personality, really. And so, um, you know, like when you walk in, people will always say those kind of comments. It's so beautiful. Like, I want to live here. Can I just hang out here even if I don't need it for work, you know? So we get those kind of comments all the time. And I think, I think people don't give the aesthetic of a place enough credit. Like it really does attract a certain type of person and it's, it is like self-selecting. Yeah. As Lana said, it's, I mean, you know, yeah, people come in here and they, they're like, this is it. Or they're like, well, whatever, I could go somewhere else and then they might go somewhere else. Yeah. And that's okay. So really paying attention to details, really, from your name down to just even the wall fixtures is really important. So another thing that is really impressed me of what you guys have done is you've partnered with brands that are that that again kind of reinforce the type of person that you want to work with or attract into your community and um like at the i think it was your launch party um you had the church key beer um mm-hmm. what are they uh, uh something like oh, church key is that right yeah. Yes, yeah yeah and you had a um, maker's mark there and um i saw a, an instagram with the, the coconut water people uh-huh. Yeah. So you partner with these brands that are kind of the, the same interests. I'm sure you guys drink Maker's Mark at some point, or maybe you like coconut water. So again, it's reinforcing. <laughs> so how do you make? How do you start these partnerships? How do you approach brands like that to work with? It it goes back to the same same idea, kind of we've been talking about, even with design. It's just what do we like? Yeah. You know, we. We like all those things. All the brands that we've partnered with for events, we they fit. They fit makers because they fit what we like and our friends yeah. like. And and we've approached a lot of brands, and not all brands are willing to just jump in and like you know sponsor. But a lot are because they those brands often want to reach our demographic. So we just have reached out over the years and and just kind of told told these brands what we're up to and. You know, it's a great opportunity for them to market to our demographic and to all of our members, and and they just say, "All right." <laughs> I mean, it sounds I think, really easy, but I think we d- going into this, you don't really realize like everyone that we have working here is highly sought after by advertisers, and yeah. we turn away a lot more things than we probably take in the sense of not necessarily like free coconut water, but people want us to try out software and you know, be sort of a lot of like test subjects for things. And because I think that, you know, all these brands realize is that these people are one, they're in a co-working space. So they're already um, sort of changing the way work is. And so they're people that are willing to like try new things. And so they do want to be in front of them. And I don't think that we realize that right away. But then people start to say yes. And you're like, oh, okay. We'll keep asking then. Mm-hmm. So pretty much if we like something, we're like, oh, we should shoot them an email and just <laughs> ask them. So you just say, why not? And you go for it. Yeah. Because really it's a huge it's a huge benefit to you because, again, it's reinforcing that branding that you say, I like this, and therefore someone else, you know, the person that's going to be attracted to my brand will like it too. So it's good to weed out the people, the potential people that might be interested in joining your community by saying, if you don't like this coconut water, then maybe. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Well, if I went to a space that got free coconut water, I'd be like, oh, that w- that would be a bonus to me. I know some other spaces like beer or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny. It sounds silly and trivial, but it I think it really is important that you guys offer things like that. But uh, another thing that I thought was cool that I just, I, I don't know if this is so much a question, is I just thought it was, it's something I really remember. And I actually, I just recommended the book based off of this event. I went to a by invitation only um, book author uh, event there that I think Melody Berenger threw. Yeah. So smart. I mean, little things like that. How do you make sure that apart from the right brands are represented in your business to that, you know, you're attracting those type of events? How do you make sure that your name is out there so that people think I want makers to be to be the place where I host this event? Um, gosh, well, I think like when we started, um, Caitlin really was great about, you know, going after a you know, all these people that she had gone to their events and really cared for them and wanted to be part of that. And so when we were opening, she sort of went to a lot of them and said, hey, do you want to throw something at Makers? And I think um, from that, it just sort of snowballed. Now we're known for it and people want it. We get a lot of offers for people wanting to do stuff here. Um, And again, we do turn away a lot of stuff just because it is a lot of, it's a lot of work to throw these things and it's a lot of people in the space. And so we really try to bring things in that one, our makers would be really interested in or something that we're interested in um, and really try to cultivate that here. But we just also with that too, we want to make our brand stronger. So yeah. by saying no to some events and no to some sponsors, it's um, also just reinforcing what we are and what we aren't. So, well, And you know, as we're talking about all of this stuff, because you are, you are a huge presence in Seattle and you've done so much for the entrepreneurial community too. Uh, what type of work hours do you guys keep? Because I feel like you're at your space a lot. I'm sure you're not. But uh, one time we were, my husband and I backpacked through Europe after college and we stayed at this one hostel where the guy literally worked there for 24 hours and I feel almost like it's a a similar thing for you guys you're always a presence what type of hours do you keep so (laughs) um well today I took the day off um but we were at the space yeah you're still on the at an interview at your space at night (laughs) um, we were here until 3 a.m. last night. Um, we had a Microsoft filming here. So the last two nights we were here until about, well, first night was like 11, last night was 3. But um, Caitlin and I, I mean, yes, starting a business is a lot of hours. I think when we, our first year, it was like 14-hour days. Like, it it was crazy. Um, we, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this type of work was the fact that we didn't have to be here all the time. And once we got things up and running that we could really um, have someone else manage the space. So we're sort of in that transition right now. We have a really great um, person, Christy, she's running, she runs sort of the front desk. She's our community maker here. And so she takes a lot of burden from us but I mean obviously we're we're still here every single day but um we do like try to take time away and um I guess I guess it varies yeah I'm trying to say Uh, yeah there's a lot that goes into starting a business of course you you know everyone knows that and it's it's true (laughs) um but our goal like Lana said is um to have flexibility and 
And really, co-working is promoting to have kind of the anti-nine-to-five lifestyle. It's we don't expect our members to be here every day, and it's not offensive to us. And they're not. Yeah. Working <laughs> for people that don't know, the idea is like you were saying, you can show up at any odd hour, and then you have certain memberships with different um, with different days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. are people able to even have a key where they can enter in at any time? We don't, we don't have that anymore. We did used to have that, but um, we just expanded, as you probably have noticed on our on our social media posts. But um, just with the growing memberships, it's just we really want to make sure that um, everyone's taken care of and provided for when they're in the space. So we and security reasons. Yeah, just, we want it to be fully staffed when yeah. people are here. We want them to feel like there's always someone here to answer their question and. Um, you know, meet with their clients and whatnot. So, well, that's interesting. So, uh, what what are the hours and that people can co work at Makers? Um, seven to seven. So, I mean, a lot of other co working spaces in the area, you are able to have entrance into it at any point. Yet, you guys have a pretty full membership. I mean, people want to work at Makers, even though they're only able to work there from seven to seven, and then also. Um, I mean, so there's restrictions, and it's funny because we've talked to a few different businesses where they say we only ship on Saturdays or where they make it a little bit harder for people. And not everyone can work there, basically. Not everyone can buy from these businesses. But, it again, it's going back to attracting the right person. So we don't have to be everything for everyone. And I think that's a great uh, message for everyone tonight. Hopefully that's, I mean, that's definitely my takeaway. So I wanted to end with the idea of um, going back into actually the concept of co-working and freelancing. I saw Seth Godin speak in Seattle a few years ago, and he talked about how in the future more and more people will be project-oriented. So we're really going to be looking at self-employment versus working for companies, and so you can go from project to project. How do you see that uh, in your industry playing out? I mean, what other areas of innovation are happening in, in the space of co-working right now to, to support that infrastructure? <laughs> we both had some ideas, I, I think, know. at the same time. I was going to say, um, I think we're already starting to see that, well, obviously that trend has already started, but it's not just starting with small freelancers and small businesses. I'd say the way they... I know that it's it's turning into a trend as we have larger corporations in here. So like DirecTV or Living Social or we've talked with other large companies that um, are already doing that project-based type um, contract work and they don't want to sign a long lease. Yeah. Um, they just need their team to meet for the next six months to a year in the space. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely starting to those types of things are starting to happen. I think they'll start, they're only going to grow. That's my yeah. take on it. But I think, um, too, I think one thing that companies are going to have to be aware of, too, is that you place your employees in a co-working space, like, it does become their community, and these are their co-workers. And if you decide suddenly we don't want to pay for the space anymore, mm -hmm. like, it is... Um, it affects their work life and I've sort of seen that like we've had people that have moved jobs and they make it a requirement of their hiring that they want to work out of here and so I think that it's really important like once someone does find their home of where they want to work that employers do support it especially in like 
when they're trying to bring people on. And I know a lot of companies um, have used makers in the sense of like employee retention. Like they choose our space because they know it will attract, it makes them more competitive. And especially in the industries that are working out of here, it's really hard to hire good people. So they want to do everything that they can to keep them here. But um, we also do like on the project-based thing too, we've had a lot of offers in the last month or two of companies that are coming into Seattle for about a month. They want to rent like 12 desks and they'll work on things and then they're all gone. So um, I do think that there is this change on the way that people are working. And I think it's really exciting. And we get to see a lot of cool um, stuff come out of here and what people are working on. And I'm always amazed how smart ever. Everyone's smarter than I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting point that you brought up. I didn't even think about that as far as being an employer. If I'm bringing on a, a virtual assistant or an assistant, period, I could spend a small amount of money to provide them with a workspace and really attract the best talent. Uh, and on the flip side, if you're starting companies with more of like the franchise type model. Um, uh, like the lifts of or the Ubers where they're in Seattle and a number of cities, you can easily set up n- a number of, of headquarters in each city. And I, f- I feel like a couple people I've met through young female entrepreneurs have actually co-worked at your space in that way where they work for um, car sharing type companies and they, they run it out of your co-working space. Yeah, we mm-hmm. had sidecar here. That's we had on. Uber doesn't work out of here, but in other cities, Uber does work out of a lot of co-working spaces. Um, gosh, yeah, there's a lot of big brands that do that. I mean, it's a great way to set up um, a quick office. So. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So as far as uh, to, to wrap everything up, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this, starting a co-working space to me just does not like I cannot even imagine where to begin with that. If I was sitting in a coffee shop, yeah, it would be great to work at a beautiful space that I'd feel welcome bringing my clients into and not having like the the barista grinding the beans in the background. Uh, But I mean, what advice would you give to another female entrepreneur who's at the same point? They have this great idea, but it's just like, where, what do I do? What's my next step? What should I do next to actually put this idea into, into fruition? I guess my point of view is you always look at what's the worst case scenario and um, I know when we entered into this it was like we pretty much treated it like it was going to be our grad school and so if if worse came to worse we would just pay it off like we pay off grad school and we would have learned a lot and we could always rent out the space as like a couple apartments for our friends and we could all hang out. So that was our worst case scenario. And I think the passion for it far outweighed the risk on that. But I think that, um, like Caitlin said earlier, you can't be afraid of the failure and what that's going to look like to anyone. And, um, just, yeah, but do your research. Yeah. <laughs> Don't jump into anything. I would say what I would tell an entrepreneur thinking about starting an idea would be, um, I mean, everyone starts out with their idea really passionate about it, and it's the best idea. It's going to be successful. You know, you have to kind of be in that mindset and that headspace, mm-hmm. but you have to really, really believe that <laughs> because, um, because really yeah, well, it's hard. And also, like, you know, they say it takes businesses two to three years to get 
you know, kind of at that comfortable, successful place, and then, and then hopefully you're still going on beyond that 10 to 20 years, which would be wonderful. But you really got to put yourself in that, the 10 year, 20 year plan to, to know that you're still going to, you know, am I passionate about my idea? I guess. Yeah. You we know, always said we only had to make a hundred people happy. Yeah. So that was like, it, if we broke it down really small, that was what we had to yeah. do. So. You know, yeah. it's funny. I've heard that uh, similar pieces of advice a lot over the last two weeks. So you guys must be doing, uh, I mean, you're doing something right. And I love that piece of advice because it's shared with other successful people, the idea that, and actually I've heard someone use the exact phrase that you use where it's paying for grad school. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> thing. And it's probably for some businesses cheaper than going to grad school <laughs> to pay off a business in case it fails. Um, but I love that idea so that you think of it as, as additional education. And in that sense, it's not as scary to me at least because there's a possibility of actually making money from it rather than just losing a lot of money <laughs> uh, um, so anyway uh, where can people find out more about makers and hopefully check you guys out are you going to ever uh, expand past Seattle is, is New York City Los Angeles any of those cities in the works we'd love to expand yes um, we love the sunshine yeah I think immediately we're going to look on the east side here in um ah, nice yeah and then we both love california southern yeah. california in particular so we love a reason to work down south so yeah <laughs> so i think that's yeah. the next year really that will be what we're sort of devoted on is looking at both those areas and seeing what we can do there but yeah yeah yeah. And to find out more about makers, um, you can go to themakerspace.com and it, you can link up to all of our Facebook and we're on Instagram and Twitter. And we also have a monthly sort of video newsletter that we do. So we have a um, YouTube channel. Yeah, we so. have a YouTube channel. Yeah. So. And that's actually the reason why I reached out to the two of you because I was so impressed by uh, them. Is it Makers Moment or yeah. what do you call it? Maker's, Maker's moment. moment, yeah. yeah. So smart. They send, and they send, you don't even have like a traditional email list where someone has to go and put in their name. You send out to people that, like myself, that has an interest in makers and you don't make it anything super formal. It's such a smart idea and you get to actually see what's going on in your co-working space. And it's really well produced too. Thank you. That's one of our makers. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of our members. That's, oh, that's so cool. Everyone needs videography. <laughs> such a cool idea. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for joining us this evening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, everyone. So you've just been watching. Uh, oh, gosh. I'm producing this myself. <laughs> you've just been watching the co-founders of uh, Makers here in Seattle. I hope you guys check them out. If you're ever in the Seattle area, definitely drop by. Like I said, the location is beautiful. It's right next to Pike Place Market. And their aesthetics are just, oh, it's so warm and cozy in there. So definitely check it out. Uh, you've been watching YFE Chat Live, the live show that happens every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I've been your host, Jennifer Dono. Thank you so much for watching. And I hope to see you back here next Thursday. We're talking to Super Latina. She owns a TV studio and produces her own television show. She is going to be here next Thursday, so you know you're going to want to show up. Thanks, all, and have a fantastic week.